Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 20 of the Doctrines of Red podcast. I'm Drew. This is Logan. And uh, we are back. It's been two weeks, dude. Yeah, I, I actually miss you very much so. I didn't I didn't miss you. <laughs> well, I understand. I, I mean, I, I was with my family. Should I have missed you? So you're saying your wife's better than me. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. In in many right, ways. That's, yeah. That's hurtful. All right. Well, so well that is that is what it is, sir. <laughs> um, hey, but, so uh, tell me, are you a young earther now? Are you a fundamentalist? Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm totally convinced. Yeah. I mean, it just took one walk around the, the dinosaur exhibit that happens to be on an arc and that, <laughs> that threw me over the edge. Oh. Threw me right on over the edge there, buddy. Is it worth uh, the what's what up, Sphere? Said it was what twenty eight hundred dollars. Oh no, 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 not no. That was the uh, no. My my trip was. I'd say we probably spent about a thousand dollars total. Oh yeah, because you mean, got a camper and everything. Yeah, we got the RV. So we uh, we drove. We left uh, Monday morning at around eight o'clock from Missouri, and it was about a nine hour trip. Um, probably about nine and a half hours with stops and stuff like that to get to Kentucky, Williamstown, Kentucky. That is the home of the uh, Noah's Ark, the Ark Encounter. Uh, also where Ken Ham apparently is going to be building a Tower of Babel uh, replica, which I feel like defeats the purpose, but uh, I don't know. He's going to build it on the Ark? He's going to build it on the Ark. Yeah, building it on the ark. I think he. I think he figured out that if uh, if he just uh, if he combined the Tower of Babel with Noah's Ark, that he would actually reach some sort of sainthood. So, um, so you but, didn't get to meet uh, him at all, did you? No, I don't think he was there, dude. I don't think he was there. I was. He was either there uh, and hiding from me very well, or or was not there because he knew. He knew. Yeah. He knew it was about to get. He knew he was going to get it. I mean, I, I think he follows this TikTok. Last I heard, rumors were that uh, he follows this TikTok and knew that I was there, that I was coming. Yeah. And when he saw my first video, he knew it was too late. He had to go. Uh, so. He was like, what? Reformed American dads are coming? Yeah. He's like, I got to go on a walkabout down <laughs> under. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's, that's my... That is my worst and best Australian accent that I've ever done. It's priceless. So, oh, all right, so Honda, yes. So you had a good time though. Was it? Was there anything educational? Yeah, no, it was. Uh, they they actually had a uh, a couple of cool exhibits. They had um, so they had one that was answering the uh, whether the flood was a localized flood or not, and I thought that that was a pretty neat, uh, neat exhibit. Um, the the best argument for it, I thought, was that uh, there are fossils and such uh, all over the world, even up in mountaintops. And so the idea, if it were if we're a localized flood, uh, you know, the the idea that the you know you know how like the argument is that because of the flood, that's why we have the fossil record the way that we have it. Yeah. Have you heard that? So basically, yeah. that the the um, and for those who are watching for the first time. Uh, did you go to the Creation Museum? No, I, we just went to the Ark. Um, but so the idea is that because of this massive flood uh, and all of the animals all over the earth 
um, the the fossils that are found now in various parts of the world, up on mountaintops and hills and so on and so forth, is all a part of a global flood. Um, I haven't heard, actually, I have, I've yet to hear a really good argument uh, to convince me of a localized flood yet. So maybe if that was something that uh, I needed to research, uh, maybe I would. But I'm still convinced that the that it's flooded. And I think that, you know, God's promise with the rainbow that he'll never flood the earth again, I feel like that is like a global that seems to make global sense more than it does localized. Mm, so actually, yeah. So, um, uh, there's a creation museum there as well. Yeah. Um, it's 45 minutes away. So, mm. uh, you kinda, you can buy a pass, uh, the Ken ham bouncer pass. Uh, it's not called the Ken ham bouncer pass. It's just called the bouncer oh. pass. Uh, it should be, it should be like, come eat ham over trademark Dawkins of red. Yes. GM. <laughs> Uh, that was a gang sign. Um, so um, <laughs> I missed you. <laughs> Two weeks is way too much time, <laughs> dude. It's been. It has been. Yeah, I was thinking to myself. I'm like, I've, I'm almost to the point where I don't want to do the podcast anymore because it's been just long enough that oh. I'm just like, no, not for not because of you, just because of the podcast, dude. You heard that? All seven of our followers heard it. Okay. Uh, sorry, We're guys. Be all right. Best argument against global flood is the pressure from the water would decimate the flora. Huh. That's interesting. I mean, in, in general, I, I see, I have to listen to look, I'm look, I'm not against it being a global flood. Uh, I'm not again. I mean, I'm, I'm already kind of entertaining the old earth creation idea anyway. So I'm not against a global flood. I just need to hear good convincing arguments. Um, but anyway, so For a local flood. Yeah, for a local flood. I, I, yeah. I'd like to hear a, a good argument for a local flood, and, and I might be willing to listen to it. But I think right now the evidence as it stands seems like a global flood makes the most sense based off of what I've seen. Um, okay, so let's talk about the trip. So we um, we left here. Uh, we got to Kentucky in the evening, and it, uh, it pretty much rained every time that we got to a campground. Hmm. So like that kind of seemed to be the thing is like I'd be setting up the water or electricity uh, every time at night uh, or in the in the as it was beginning to get evening in the rain somewhere. Um, Burns, you are a platoon leader in my company, Mando says. Hey, Mando. Uh, What's up, man? Uh, Sorry so, to disappoint. <laughs> you son of a gun. You, you were, were the worst guy. platoon leader. You you were the worst. <laughs> That's why he remembers you so well. There was a lot of bad ones, but you you took kick, man. I've been in a lot. Listen, listen, I got to tell you, I've been in a lot of platoons. All right, I've, <laughs> I've seen my share of platoon leaders. You I've, I've by far, sir, take the cake as the worst platoon leader ever. He responds, "You weren't bad. You were sick." Yeah, he forgot to say <laughs> that bad. You. It was, it was okay. It was okay. It was all right. He was, he was kind of a guy, you know, he was whatever. Yeah. Forgettable. Forgot about him until you saw him on TikTok. actually forgot that. he. <laughs> You're like, yeah, um, I think I know that guy. I think I know that guy. What's I've up, had Amanda? A couple of people that have said, uh, that have come across my, uh, TikTok. at least actually back when I had the other account, uh, I had people that were like, Whoa, it's you. I'm like, yeah, it's me. I have um, never, I nope. I've been recognized one time I was going through the gate. Um, 
on the post and the guard on me it was a civilian guard and she's like oh, i know you from tiktok and i was like that is cool that is cool. <laughs> I was like that please message me so i know if i follow you or not <laughs> i wanted friends yeah that's awesome uh so uh the oh let me tell you about the campground that we went to so mm. we uh at first we were looking at maybe towing the towing a vehicle and then using it to drive to the arc exhibit from the RV park. But, um, we were like, well, you know, a tow and all of that stuff was, did I find Ken? No. And uh, this, I'm, that's what I'm talking about now is the, the arc. Um, so we got, uh, so we didn't tow the vehicle. Huh? Ken got lucky. He did get lucky. He knew. He knew he knew something was coming. He woke up that morning and he was like, I'm not going to go to work today. I just feel like there's something in my bones. You know, I'm not going to go to work today. And he was right. He was right to be concerned. Um, yeah. So the um, the campground, the, there was a lady at the camp that's like one of those permanent residents there. She drove us to the ark in her personal car. Because they, there, were, there were no taxi services out from the campground that we were at. So we would have been, we, we basically wouldn't, I don't know how we would have gotten to the ark. <laughs> I don't know how we would have gotten there. There was no, I mean, maybe we could have done an Uber or something, but um, yeah, it, it, it didn't work out that way. So it's uh, it's pretty um, awesome how it turned out. How'd you get back? She came and picked us up, dude. <laughs> Did you give her a 10 spot? <laughs> I should have paid hey. her, dude. I didn't pay her. That's actually kind of crappy. Gladys. Her name was Gladys for sure. You Close. Know, it was Gladys. Vicky, but she was very sweet. Dude, your, your video is so much more clear than mine on YouTube. On YouTube? Yeah, that's because you have Taco Bell internet, sir. My RV has better internet than your home. <laughs> it's Verizon. By the way, this episode of Doctrines of Brad is brought to you by Verizon. <laughs> brought to you by Sprint. <laughs> hey, Sprint and T-Mobile, aren't they getting like SpaceX? <laughs> I, I use Google Fi as my um, – no, I, that's, that's, that's just my phone provider. That's not my internet. I use Xfinity. Xfinity. For, uh, yeah. That's $35 internet. That's according to Marissa. My internet is run by a hamster on a wheel. Sprint is with T-Mobile now? Okay, I don't know. I've been using, for my phone, I've been using Google Fi uh, for the last three or four years. So I, I don't even know. The only ads I ever see on TV are T-Mobile. I never see anything other than T-Mobile ads. Um, <laughs> Michael, congratulations, Michael. You are our top three viewer out of 10. There should be a prize. <laughs> Um, so here I have, why don't I just do this, man? I got some pictures. What Amberly. Oh, you got pictures. All right. Let's talk about it. Okay. So do you recommend, uh, our viewers go to the art museum? Um, yeah. and if so, what are some insider tricks that you learn? So that like, do I buy the cup, you know, and that's a refillable cup that I don't have to spend $20 every time, you know, and I get to keep that cup, bring my cup there like was Disney world. There was a cup, actually. That's funny. <laughs> I'm not even joking, dude. It was I hate art. It was twenty dollars, and you could refill it 
all day long. There were soda machines everywhere. So I can- have no baseline for this place <laughs> other than it's an arc. And I was able to use our just stupid American culture to figure that out. Are you serious? Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. hundred percent. It was, uh, they were $20 Jeez. and you could, you could use the cups for the entire time for however many days of the year. I think for up to a whole year. So twenty you bucks. Come back. Come unlimited back. diet Dr Pepper, diet Mountain Dew. You know, just, uh, just caffeinated, uh, non-healthy goodness, just straight into your, uh, you know, straight into your body. Uh, but so we did. We got two of those cups. Um, Kem Han, Ken Kem Han, Ken Ham is in the basement at the building that people speak at, signing books. Yeah, he he was he was hiding. Um, mm. So uh, we did. Okay, so what were your questions again? <laughs> Do you recommend that our viewers go? Is there anything yeah. educational that they should seek out? And are there any insider tricks? Yeah, so I would recommend what we did. If you if you have two days to do it, then go mm-hmm. to spend one day outside and spend one day inside. Why? Because, yeah, so the outside is they have, they have a virtual reality thing, which is really kind of cool because it like takes you. Where you're you in the flood? Floor. Like you're drowning? Yeah basically you're in this bubble you're floating along it's it's kind of cool but you get to see it from it, it's a pretty neat perspective it, it reminded me remember the the noah movie with christian bale mm-hmm. did you ever classic. watch that one wonderful yeah, classic. loved it loved oh it. yeah totally uh total biblical uh it was completely biblical basically you know word for word from the bible um especially those rock monsters but uh <laughs> those were the nephilim though you know i thought it was so. an audio book huh with pictures okay it wasn't that accurate no it's it's really weird yeah so uh you you totally sidetracked me now i don't even remember where i I know i'm sorry all right so outside outside, there's a virtual reality where you're drowning if you don't accept jesus you you don't get in the ark that's right there's ken ham makes every person but you can't here's the thing you can't leave the ark park unless you admit (laughs) to being a christian they don't tell you that at the beginning, but when you walk in to the ark, if you're fine. You can be whatever you want when you go into the ark, but you cannot leave unless you denounce your old life three times and curse the world. I love then it. You can, then you can leave. You have to accept uh, Jesus. Uh, it is a uh, young earth. You have to accept Jesus a, and young earth. And Ken Ham. There is a, you have to accept Ken Ham. And Ken Ham is Noah. Creation scientist savior. Oh, that's so cool. <laughs> um, and really so, is uh, like, that's so weird. So there's weird. a constant altar call. Everywhere you go, you are commanded to raise your hand, close your eyes and raise your hand. You know, if you feel the Holy Spirit is, is reaching out to you. Um, I see that hand over there. I see that hand over there. Um, it, uh, <laughs> they, um, so my tip that I would recommend everybody to do is on your inside day, when you go to the arc, start at the top and work your way down. It's three decks. All right. So it's three floors of this ginormous ship. Start at the top and work your way down. So you can fit because there's like every floor has exhibits on it. So it is a museum. 
and it has uh, it has various different things about the Ark, about the Tower of Babel, about the flood, about the world, the condition of the world. There was an exhibit on on the Bible and how the Bible was translated and passed into all these different generations um, or different places and the people that were of the most influence in those regions for translating the Bible and printing it out and getting it to the people. So there's a whole exhibit on that. There's movies to watch. Like you can sit down and watch these. They're a little cheesy. They're not terrible. Like one of them has Ray Comfort in it. So it's not awful. No Kirk Cameron, unfortunately. I wish that there was. Really? Just Ray Comfort? Just Ray Comfort, man. Just, I mean, if if you have to pick one of them though, I mean, I'd probably (laughs) pick Ray Comfort. I would too. Yeah. Kirk, Kirk is looking I more and more like his sister every day. I love Ray so much. Yeah, Ray's great. Hey, let me tell you, if you ever broke one law, you broke them all. <laughs> Have you ever lied? Yeah. Have you ever so lied? You, so you're a no. liar by your own confession. <laughs> so by your own confession, you're a liar. You're a liar, a cheater, you're a liar, an adulterer, yeah, a murderer. Have, let me ask you: Have you ever looked at a woman with lust? You're an adulterer. Yeah, you're an adulterer. <laughs> yeah, you're you're a dirty, dirty adulterer. Um, you know what the Bible says. You're going yeah. to spend eternity in hell, <laughs> dude. I love, it. and I'm just eating it up. I'm like, man, I gotta take some advantage. Bro, this is right? some way to talk to somebody. I'm gonna... I just, I don't want, I don't need the notes. I just need the confidence that Ray Comfort has to walk up to a stranger. Mm. And just ask those questions. To me, that's the more the more admirable. Can we break that down? Can we get into like this sociological? My wife just texted me. I love your laugh. I love you too, honey. If you're oh, she's not I watching. She doesn't. She was wanting you to tell me. Bad. She loves oh. my laugh. Oh, that's what it was. You love. Thank you. You love. You love Drew's laugh. <laughs> well, obviously, she's yeah. like, shut up. He said thanks. Thank you feedback on this is going to be horrible i'm so sorry no it's actually not bad i think it's good um speak up yes uh okay so um i start from the top work your way down this is so like (laughs) this this podcast is literally all over the place today it's hilarious i'm about to fix my uh it's kind of our niche yeah it's like i'm not even talking so if you're just listening to audio I'm sorry, but I just fixed my microphone or my camera on the YouTubes. All right. <laughs> um, All right. So start your way up. Ray Comfort start your way. Like, walks you through the museum. And then Ray Comfort, yeah, he takes you. Every level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and they, they keep asking you. They're like, when you get there, they're like, what is your comfort level? <laughs> <laughs> what is your Ray Comfort level? All right. Would you feel a little bit nervous you know, that you're a sinner, a liar, a thief? You, I love it. You're you're a, a you're a murderer by your own admission. You just told me you've murdered all of the people. <laughs> but it's so good, though. He does such a good job. Like I'm. Thoroughly entertained. If it was some American with a stupid American accent, given that same thing, I'd be like, "Ah, this is okay." Appreciate it, Jeff Durbin. Let's go to the next. Let's go listen. By to your Ray. own admission, you have you've committed mass genocide on all of these people. <laughs> By your own admission, have you ever have you ever committed one genocide? 
You think you heaven was going to hell? Oh, heaven. Is Hitler in heaven? <laughs> <laughs> and they're stuck. They're like, well, of course, Hitler's not heaven. Oh, uh, so you're better than Hitler. <laughs> sir, sir, my Ray Comfort level is really low right now. I need you to raise it up. Oh, my God. All right. All right, so uh, we're at the museum. We start from the top down. There's an outside exhibit and an inside exhibit. Yes. Um, any convince anything that was really convincing about the museum that made you want to rethink your young Earth position versus uh, your you're kind of holding hard to an old Earth position? Yeah. Yeah, I didn't see. I mean, honestly, if I'm totally <laughs> honest, I. Uh, I, uh, I think the dinosaurs is too much, man. <laughs> <laughs> gotta, the Velociraptor. <laughs> have you ever ki- have you ever hunted a Velociraptor? Have you hunted all of the Velociraptors? <laughs> you're, guilty, you're guilty of poaching all the animals. Uh, they never get way of- two weeks without you. This is what happens. Yeah, <laughs> tell your tell your wife. I will. I was, yeah, I will. I'm sure she's, she's probably listening now. She's like, what are these idiots talking about? Um, so, yes. So, um, I do, I just, I really genuinely think that there's too much dinosaur stuff, man. I hate, I hate to say I, it, but do I, you think that's because he's much really problem. trying to, he has to fight against the fact that there are fossils? And so he's got to create something in order to give, um, stronger evidence to a young earth position Um, or an explanation. Well, I I think you could have young or old earth. I think the the arguments, I think the young earth arguments for the dinosaurs and the fossil records, I think it's convincing. Like I don't, I'm not like, that isn't the reason that I flirt with the old earth idea. It's not because of the, you know, the fossils or anything. Um, it just makes, I don't know, it just seems to make more sense scientifically. And it seems to see the old earth for me is not it, dinosaurs are not the reason that I would, that I would be an old earth creationist. Like that's, that's not because of dinosaurs. Um, but I think that, uh, I think the art, I just, I think it's too much because it's like, they're really trying to justify creationism as a whole which i still think it's still creationism even if god used you know theistic evolution you know god still created everything he's still doing Mm. everything you know it never it doesn't change the fact that he created so Mm. it's kind of a misnomer right like you know the the idea like so what's the difference does jesus lose value if the earth is six thousand years old versus six million years old I don't think so. If you if you were to tell me if we got to heaven and God was like, no, I, it actually I let evolution play out uh, to its, you know, to I, I created it to be that way. And, you know, it happened and so on and so forth. And yet I still because of evolution, I still was able to create humans and whatever than whatever. I mean, it doesn't change it for me. It's just weird. I don't know. Like maybe other people really take that hard stance, but. I wouldn't be bummed out, you know, so like I wouldn't be mad if like God was like, yeah, by the way, the earth is flat. Like, I don't believe the earth is flat, but I wouldn't be bummed about it. I wouldn't be like, oh, God, you rapscallion. I can't believe it. Like, who cares? Right. Like, I'm here with Jesus. So who cares if the earth is old or flat or or young or, and round? Like, 
I'm with Jesus. I, I don't care. We're going to be seeing the, the Nahash. We're going to be seeing the heavenly beings that God has created. And we're going to see these angels and we're going to see things that we can't even fathom right now. So like, what difference does it make if the earth is old or young? God still did it. So can, can we, I would like to transition that into, so how do you <laughs> feel something about else? <laughs> well, what difference does it make with like, so just because of the spirit of the holidays, right? Yeah. 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 Um, like, so Halloween, Christmas, Easter, like, <clears throat> what do you, what, what is your take on some of the, some of the stuff that's going on now? Bro, I've been through, I have been through the gauntlet when it comes to my emotions and my attachments to holidays and Halloween and Christmas. Um, yeah. There, there have been times where I'm like, absolutely not, not doing it. Then there are, you know, like I, we did not do trick or treat or Halloween with my family until probably three or four years ago. Yeah. Okay. My, my oldest is, is almost 20. So, um, so he never trick or treated as a kid. No, you know, we, we, we do, we do Halloween. Now we go in our neighborhood, we trick or treat and it's, I don't see anything wrong with it. I, I think and like, I'm well past the point of, of trying to be legalistic about it. Yeah. What, so what was it before with Halloween? You like thought it what, was demons? Like the reason was why? Yeah. Was it demons? It was more that it glory. I felt like the focus was on darkness, not necessarily like not that I would like would be worshiping demons or being impacted by demons, not like that, but just that it was like this is kind of a dark holiday. Let's just not celebrate it. That was mm. more of my feeling. Um, I get but that. but the more that I learned about you know the actual origin of Halloween, All Saints Day, All Hallows Eve, uh, we also celebrated Reformation Day at my church. Uh, so that was wrapped into it as well. Um, I, uh, yeah, I'm at the point now where uh, I'm like, man, I serve a really big, really big God. And, uh, and um, I don't think he's threatened by us celebrating Halloween because we know who, we know who God is. And um, yeah, had, my, you know, my neighbor, my neighbor's mother actually came up to me. And she was like, hey, we're having Santa. I have a real bad issue with Santa. Um, and she's yeah. having somebody dress up as Santa and over to the house. Um, you, would you like us to send them down to your house? And I said, no. No, thank you. Um, and she's like, I don't understand. So you, you'll celebrate Halloween, but not Christmas? And I, was I don't like, no, no, we don't Christmas celebrate Santa Claus. I, I, my wife does. My wife wants to keep the magic of Christmas and the Santa story alive. Um, mm. I have a really bad issue with that. Um, I, I find it, I feel as if it's idolatry. Um, mm. I, and plus I don't want to mix the truth with the lie, right? Like That's this is, what it this is. is the day we have that chosen to celebrate Jesus. Yep. That is right? exactly and regardless if his birthday is the 25th or not, or if it's some other time, this is the day we're celebrating. Why am I mixing other things in with that? Um, so we're, we're still figuring that out as a household. Um, those were good times in my wife's memory as a child yeah, yeah. in her childhood. Um, and she doesn't want my daughter to miss out on those same cheerful emotions, right? Um, yeah. However, I don't want to introduce this. Plus, I bought them presents. I'm not going to sit there and say somebody else paid for them. 
That was my hard-earned money. Daddy got you that. Not Santa. I'm not going to go get yeah. somebody else who doesn't exist credit what I did. Uh-uh. Not based uh, on your works. No. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> yeah. But, your so, works are disgusting, you depraved animal. Now get back to sleep. Am I whispering? See, it is low. Why is he whispering? It didn't. It doesn't sound low to me. On YouTube or on TikTok? Uh, I don't know. I don't. What are you connected to that I hear you on here? Because I'm connected to my computer right now. Where? Which one's your computer? Oh, you're not on TikTok at all. Okay. I'm. No, my mic is connected. I have a little tiny mic right here that's connected to TikTok, but. Ah, that way I'm not getting any background sound. Right. Okay. Yeah. yeah so the they're they're sitting on TikTok that it's not. Yeah, they said that you're better now. Okay. So, but so look, we my wife from the very beginning of our marriage, we were both on the same page. We do not sell. We do not do Santa Claus. We have never done Santa Claus. We have never told our kids about Santa Claus. We told them like about him, like so they understand like when when they were in school for a time um, that they would understand that there people do believe in Santa Claus. And I don't want my kids to ruin it for any other kids. And we have cousins. We have cousins that believe in Santa. That's okay. Like we don't like we're not like, oh, you teach your kids about Santa. Then you guys are not real Christians. Like but I we have the same we have the same view as you, Logan, is if. There are enough fairy tales in the world. I don't want my kids to question. Uh, I don't want them to to realize that Santa is not real later in life and be like, well, what else were mom and dad lying about? You know, what else were they making up? Were they making up this stuff about Jesus? Were they making up this, yeah. you know? And so it just was easier. We always did presents. It was the presents from us, presents from family. Uh, but we never did Santa. We always kind of joked, like we, we would be like, "Here's your present from Santa Claus," and the kids would be like, "Dad, Santa's not real." I mean, is it is it not idolatry? I don't know. I mean, it depends on. Do you put your hope in that, like for your salvation? Isn't that what idolatry well, is? Putting your hope into something for your salvation, worshiping it, honoring it, like over God. Yeah, I mean, if yes, I think if you teach your children that uh, your good deeds will win you presents, I think that's I think that's just lying, and I don't think that you, you should know, lie to your kids. I just you know I'm how sorry Torah, that I feel that way. You know how Torah observers like take a real hard stance on missing any kind of culture with Jewish holidays. They like try to remove American culture from like everything they do. Yeah. I wonder if that's what I'm doing, right? In one aspect, I'm trying to remove. I mean, at the same time, God will not share with anybody or with anything. Yeah, but you're not worshiping Santa Claus. No, but it's a distraction, right? It does. It's like I think the whole. Well, it's a lie that distracts. It is a distraction. Right. Like, actually, Santa's not even the biggest issue about Christmas. It's commercialism, right? the consumer mindset. Um, we, we really get lost in, like, the, the buying and giving of things in a way that, honestly, it's not, it's not biblical, the way we celebrate Christmas. It's not healthy. Yes. <laughs> Financially not healthy either. <laughs> yeah. 
No, that's a good point too. The the consumerism, like the day becomes so much about presence. Um, it's really not. So we, we had to kind of find a way to uh, figure that out with, uh, with how we would do presence. Like, because the focus for the kids can be so much like it's, oh, we get this on Christmas. I'm going to get this or whatever, whatever, whatever. Um, so we're like, well, how do we justify using presents? Because we don't want it to be like, that's the focus. So we kind of talked about, well, because Jesus, because God's greatest gift to us was Jesus. And we celebrate Jesus's birth on this day, although it very likely was not on this day and nobody needs to make a big fuss about it. Who cares? Right. So yeah, get it. It was, I get it. It was, maybe it was in September, maybe it was in July. I don't know, but it doesn't matter. You know, who cares? Uh, so we celebrate Jesus's birthday. We say he, God gave us the greatest gift. And, uh, then we give because of the greatest gift that God gave, we give gifts to each other and to bring joy into our lives because God has brought us the most joy. So, uh, to me, it's just easy that like, it's not, I don't know. It's easy for the kids to be like, oh, we get presents on Christmas. It's all about the presents. But, and, and it can be for kids, it can be all about the presents. But you gotta, you gotta kind of explain it in a better way. Yeah. Plus, I mean, so the gospel can redeem any culture, right? It's a cross cultural message. The good news, the Evangelion is a message that is supposed to go out to everyone. And I, I think you can keep your culture and the things you do and celebrate um, because of your history and your lineage, and still that that celebration can be redeemed for a good reason right like and i i well i mean we did that in the the middle like the i guess at, throughout christendom where we started to just take everything that was began and change it into some kind of christian symbol of some kind right so we we're taking goddess statues that were roman and greek and changing them into the mother Teresa or something else right we were, we were always changing everything into a christian uh a representation of Christianity of some kind. So, um, I mean, the gospel redeems all cultures, all, all celebrations. So I, there's some, I guess there's some Christian liberty that needs to be a lot there. Um, well, yeah, we're, I was just going to say that, man. We are free in Christ. We are free in Christ, and uh, we don't we don't have a right to uh, to flaunt our freedoms, and we don't have a right to um, force our uh, lack of conviction or our conviction on other people. And I think that's also important too, is if you don't do Halloween, that's fine. Like I, that's, I get it. I respect that. And you're not going to get me to try to convince you otherwise that you should do Halloween, but do not come into my family. Do not speak into my life and tell me that I should not do Halloween because you have a conviction over not doing Halloween. That's that is ever great either. Have you, have you gone into, like, have you had a good argument for why you shouldn't do Halloween? Have you have you heard one? So I, I haven't. Most of the time it's like you're allowing demons to come in. You're allowed, you're celebrating uh, demonic stuff. And I'm just like, if we know those things don't exist, exist yeah. then we're not, not doing anything wrong. Yeah. Right? Um. I don't know. I don't know that I've had much opposition about it. Um, 
I don't know that I've even heard a good argument about it or for it or against it. I, it, it really truly goes around the demonic thing. And what you said for me was, well, it, it felt, you know, dark. So it, I don't feel like we should do it, but um, that was ultimately because somebody feels right. Like if they go to yeah. nightclubs because it could like, I, there's certain shows and stuff I can watch because I, I know Logan. Right. So I have discernment yeah. on yeah. like, you know, yeah, absolutely. Um, I I always look at the verse in the Bible where it's like when it feels, you know, if, if something, if you consider something to be a sin and you do it anyway, you're sinning, right? Whether it's a sin or not. Like if you in your heart think it's a sin and you're committing it either way, then it's sinful. So if I were to be thinking, well, if I thought that Halloween is dark and evil, but yet I'm still celebrating it then that's, that, that's a problem, like, if I'm still carrying on in that. So um, I just don't, I don't know, I just don't have the same opinion on it anymore. And I, maybe it's just because I've had kids, I've had a lot of kids. Uh, I've, you know, been a parent for a long time. Um, maybe I've gotten a little bit softer, but I don't feel like I've gotten softer. I feel like I've been, I'm closer to the Lord now than I've ever been. And uh and I don't have the same conviction over celebrating Halloween. So I don't know. I don't know what to tell you, man. <clears throat> well, how do you feel about Easter? And the um, mixture of. The, the most I feel like our podcast is me and you just getting to know each other publicly. Yeah. How do you feel? <laughs> do, you, do you have any moles that I'm not aware of? Like, where are your moles? You got a tattoo <laughs> where nobody else can see it? Yeah. Tell me I about do. that. <laughs> My, my wife has the best tattoo that uh, she wanted. It was the very first tattoo that she ever got. And it says inspected by Drew. <laughs> it's true. It's a true story. That's I love your guys' marriage. I know. Me too. It's pretty great. <laughs> it's pretty awesome. Yeah. Oh, um, I, so I don't like to mix Easter with anything, right? Because without the resurrection, there would be no Christmas. Right? There yeah. would be no... It, it, we wouldn't be celebrating the the birth of some guy who didn't resurrect, right? Um, so everything falls uh, on that holiday. It's probably the most religious I religious I get, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, I try to like get away, spend as much time as possible. Um, then I have a family culture that wants to go out and do. Uh, American Easterly Easter sure. things, right? Um, so I balance those two. Try to just I'm not gonna make a big deal about it, you know. I'm not gonna mm. like if and I, and I've told my wife this. Like, if you really want Santa that bad, like we can have it. I just I'm letting you know I don't like it. Mm. Like I don't want to tell my daughter that some over obese man came down our chimney and right. gave her presence that he didn't do right to qualify that with obese well um i for easter we i mean we typically we go celebrate the resurrection with church uh at church um we do baskets but i mean it's not like a big it's not a big thing like we we may do like an egg hunt but that becomes you know that's not really that's separate from 
you know, acknowledging the resurrection. I think that it, that that's just more the egg hunt is more culturally American on the Easter holiday than, you know, and I'm not saying it started here. That's not what I'm saying either. Like I know it, the, I think it's a German thing, right? The hiding of the eggs is supposed to, to be a, a German. I think it came from Germany somewhere. Somebody could probably tell me. Mm. Oh. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say yes. Yeah. Luther, yeah. Uh, Luther uh, with uh, the yeah, 96. Yeah, he, he laid eggs, actually. I don't know if you guys know this. Little known Ray Comfort of- once stood by a bunny. And- Have you ever <laughs> laid an egg? <laughs> Have you ever laid an egg? If you've laid an egg, you're a sinner. You need to repent. You're deserving of hell. Have you ever laid an egg? If you've laid one egg, you've laid all the eggs. I love it. And you, you're guilty uh, of all of the Easter's. Oh, Ray, please see this one day. Yeah, I, I hope. Thank you does. for your ministry, Ray. I, dude, I will give, I will give Ray Comfort a big hug. That's for sure. That impression is amazing. <laughs> if you've laid one egg. You're guilty of all the eggs. It's Ray Great Comfort. comfort. Yeah. So I started Google reading. Um, I started reading First uh, Samuel. I'm in my in my Bible studies this this month, um, reading First Samuel, and I'm really enjoying it, man. I I have not uh, enjoyed the Old Testament as much as I do lately. Mm. Um, and I've been taking notes. And uh, let me see if there's anything in my notes that I felt like I had either learned or uh, just kind of realized. Um, So I did actually make a video on this. I don't know if you saw my video. There there was a little bit of the doctrine of election in 1 Samuel, chapter 3, verses 7, where it said, uh, verse 7, not verses. uh, It's just one singular. Uh, It says that um, that Samuel... uh, Samuel didn't know the Lord yet, and uh, the word had not been revealed to him. And I found that that was really interesting because considering he was working and and apprenticing in a temple. Um, Eli's family, because of Eli's children, his sons that were uh, being, they were blaspheming God. And they were, there was committing a lot of sexual sins with like, basically with the girl, I guess, the, the women that uh, work in the temple, they were they were sleeping with the temple women. The, and uh, so because of Eli's son's indiscretions and sin, God took Eli's entire lineage out, just yeah. removed it. And I'm like, but dude, Eli is raising Samuel, who was a great prophet. And yet Eli... Because of that, because of his sons, he, no more lineage, no more line. And I'm, I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, what does that mean for Drew and his sons? What does that mean for for my family line? You know, like, and and I mean, I understand God does what God does. I get it, and and you know, I'm not going to fight against it or complain. But like, part of me feels like that's unfair. But then again, it's what God does. So think about the mercy of the fact that you're not in a position that Eli was, right? Right. Like the, the severity of that, like that, because that's a 
the severity of the role that they played and their misuse of it. Yeah. Uh, there's no, there's, there's no grace being displayed there. This, this is the consequence. You do not tamper with God's holy um, positions, I guess. Listen to what Eli said when, when Samuel goes and gives the decree of what God had told Samuel about Eli's line and his lineage. This is how, man, this is how I know that God's sovereignty and his providence is amazing. And this is how you can see it even in the Old Testament. Eli responded after hearing that his whole family line was getting ready to go. Eli's response was, it is the Lord... Let him do what seems good to him. Yeah. Amazing. What a, a, a moment of submission. And I think yeah. he realized like my sons really did screw up and he took responsibility as their father. Like I, and he, then he died. Yep. Died right after. Yep. Yeah. They all yep. ended in that moment. Yep. Yeah, man. That's yeah. uh God's God's mercy. Like, I just think about that. Like, we don't we have no idea what it's like to like. Worship to have to sacrifice, you know, religiously every year for every sin. We, we have no idea what that concept is like. And it's it's really fascinating to. To just I don't know picture how Christians are today outside of the sacrificial system. It's a foreign entity. The idea of animal sacrifice to people in 2022 is, I mean, how do you even understand that? How do you even like comprehend the, the, the requirement of God to say, you must kill this animal in order that I do not destroy you. Like it's, it's we have no idea how blessed we are to live under under the reign of Christ. Yeah. We have no idea. We are so blessed to be under the reign of Christ and the people, and I think that will be the severity for people that don't believe when they are when they are in Sheol or eventually into hell in eternity, they will see. They will see how good they had it under the under Christ's reign, and it's gonna it will continue to eat at them, uh, as a as a just a reminder of of their wickedness. You know that they that they could have repented, hmm. but they missed it. But they missed it. Yeah, they missed it. Yeah, dude. <sighs> It's uh, that's pretty heavy. You know what I mean? Yeah, a lot of uh, naysayers in our comments right now. Oh, oh yeah. uh, from last week's uh, TikTok live episode, talking about yeah. the doctrines of rad. Um, some yeah. things that they want to bring up. Um, they want us to do some stuff on Catholicism, purgatory, saints, treasury of merit, cults, like the Jehovah's Witness, Mormons, oneness mm. groups. We've already done one in this group's Torah keeps. We can do an uh, episode on that or if anybody has questions. Uh, substitutionary atonement uh, oh. and imputation. Um, credo versus pedo baptism. So that would be a fun one. Uh, legalism and antinomianism as a whole set. So we kind of do either one hour of legalism, one hour on 
uh, antinomianism, and then just how the spectrum where you should fall. Um, holidays, which we're kind of doing today, we feel about uh, particular holidays. Uh, we need to find some guests for those things that got people that have come out of those movements, like whether it's Jehovah's Witnesses, ooh. Torah observance. There's got to be a, a an ex Torah observant uh, person out there that's you know walking with the Lord that we could find. Um, if y'all know any, let us know. Send them our way. Yeah, no doubt. It. There's a there's a woman that I follow that came out of. Uh, like some crazy occult, like Satanism stuff that I, I follow her. I wonder if she, I bet you she'd be interested in doing that. Mm. She was, um, yeah, I think that'd be good. I'm a thousand percent sure that Jesus is coming back soon. Like someday. I'm a thousand yeah. percent sure. It could be next week. <laughs> Jesus is going to come back. Um, let's see. Does Jesus declare to be God? Is Jesus God? And why is essential to the Christian faith? Uh, Trinity, Holy Spirit, Father, Son, slash Word, and then miracles in the church, stigmas, plus others. And I think the focusing on the practical, uh, how the American church does church. Um, so my buddy, I go to a church that's uh, SBC, and my a good friend of mine, uh, he goes to my men's group and he decided he's going to stay at the OPC church down the street from the church I go to. And he said, Logan, look, are you even practicing church if you're not doing the three particular things, right? Preach the word, communion, and something else. I can't remember. And I was like, well, we don't do all of those things every Sunday. It's like, so are you even, is it even church then? Um, that really caused me some conviction. So now I'm doing some deconstruction and I'm like, what is church mm. biblically supposed to look like? And how do we get to that first century practice? Um, and so that that's kind of where I'm at in my. So I'm going to, I, I love that you brought that question epistemology. Up. I love that you brought that up because this book that I was telling you about, Mm. Uh, oh yeah the pagan it's called pagan pagan rome and early christianity and the question that it asks is um what are some of the earliest writings uh of by non-christian authors discussing about christians so um basically what were you know what were the greeks and the romans saying about christians um, what did they observe about their practices? Uh, what was what caused them to be arrested? Uh, and let me let me tell you the the main reason that Christians were arrested were because of the the what they were doing in their church meetings. What they were it it, it caused meeting a at lot. Night. Of, well, meeting either in the at dawn to celebrate the resurrection, because that was the idea. They would still consider that to be at night. The Romans did. So that was part of the accusation was when, as these uh, churches, these groups of believers were meeting together uh, in the early morning, they were seeing, they, so they were meeting in the darkness that was concerning for the, for the Roman state. They were, um, they were singing hymns 
and there was there's a word for it. I, I don't have the book in front of me. I, maybe next time I'll, I'll bring it. But um, there were there was a previous revolution, um, and I forget the name of it now. But they would also chant like songs, like victory songs. But they were anti-Roman groups that were meeting. They were meeting at night. They were chanting these. You know, they were singing these like bar type songs, these, you know, um, anti-Roman government songs. So that was another thing that the, the Romans thought the Christians were doing was um, they thought they were these these hymns that they were singing to Jesus. They thought that they were for government uprising and stuff like that. Um, and then so they were meeting together and they were feasting together. And one of the rumors that got started uh, uh, is that Christians were because of the the um, the communion and they would call it the body and the blood of Jesus they were accused of cannibalism and as they were feasting together they were accused of meeting at night chanting and singing these hymns to Jesus and sharing a meal which a lot of the people the rumors were circulating that they were eating human beings um, so that is what early church was church was they were meeting together they were singing to Jesus and they were sharing a meal. And that was the way in which the church was honoring God. And I think that that's the way that the church should honor God is community, community worship, sharing of meals together, getting to know each other, building each other up um, and handling each other's needs, just like the early church used to do. Sounds like the Bethel rumors. I was, yeah, but I'm already commenting. Stop it. You love your rumors. Avracadabra. <laughs> Stop it. You love your rumors. Um, I wonder I wonder what was shared. Probably stories of what they're what's going on in their life. Right? Some, some testimonies, probably some prayer requests. Um, yeah. obviously the gospel being shared. Potentially if they got a new letter that got circulated their way that was, you know, brought to town, reading that and memorizing it, copying it yeah. down. Um Sharing testimonies. What, I what met Peter. I met like James. Today? I met John. You know, the elders telling their stories about this is what happened when I met Peter. This is what happened. You know, maybe there were some, you know, at 110, 115 AD, there were Christians that were that were still alive, that were alive at the same time as Paul, the same time as Peter. Maybe you know, very young at the eight, at the time that Jesus was crucified, they would have been in their seventies, but it's mm. possible, you know, they could remember their, their parents' stories. So they were sharing these moments together. Um, they were, Oh, and one of the other things, dude, this was the crazy part. When, when these Romans were doing their invest, the one specific Roman, I forget his name. I'm, I'm really bad about names and stuff. Um, he was investigating the, um, these alleged crimes of, of the early Christians. And they were, the Christians were encouraging each other to follow the law, to obey the law. Like they were encouraging to submit to the rulers and authorities. Yep. And that was what was so startling to some of these, these Roman guys that didn't know much about the Christians is like these, they're, they're actually exhorting each other to be good citizens to practice the law, to be good to each other. Like it was, it was so, it was so bizarre. Like we think of it now it's, it's with the lens of 2022, we, we live in a world where most, most, um, 
orphanages, most hospitals, most halfway homes are Christian run and owned. Most charities are Christian run and owned, right? So we take it for granted. We don't realize like that was not a normal part of culture. But in the Roman days, it was not a normal part of culture that Christians were doing these things, being involved in in all of this, uh, helping people out, serving the community and doing all of that. So it looked weird because everybody was selfish. Everybody only worried about themselves. Then Jesus comes along and says, turn the other cheek. Pray for those who persecute you. Blessed those, bless those who curse you. It's like it's it was radically different from the entire world that they were living in. And what makes us different today? Now that we know that, what makes us different? How are we as human Christians in 2022? How are we radically different from our society? And unfortunately, yeah. I think the answer is we aren't. And that's to me what's sad is we should be continually transforming our society by the renewing of our minds and our going out and changing the culture. Our last podcast was on civic duties of Christians. You know, go listen to that. Episode 19, a Christian civic duty. Go, go like we are not changing our culture. We are submitting to our culture. We are sitting back and letting our culture dictate how we should act and how we should be. Christians should look so different. And that's what they did. And that's why they were killed because they looked so different than, and it was so confusing. They didn't understand. Sorry, man. I didn't mean to preach there. Dude, no, I'm, I'm, I'm smiling because I, I love it. You're just sitting here preaching. There's an interesting, let me go back to first Samuel real quick. I want to share this with you. Did you? <laughs> when, when Hannah, Samuel's mother was at the temple she was so fervently praying that Eli, the high priest, thought she was drunk. Yep. Her fervency for the Lord and for her request to making her request making known to God was so. And it says that she she prayed in her heart and her lips moved, but she didn't say anything. And I think about that. What what were what was the accusation of the people on the day of Pentecost that they were drunk? because they were fervently praying to God and people were oh, hearing in other so languages. Good. And that is such an interesting contrast. And, and they also contrast that Hannah's prayer and Hannah's song, which is written in first Samuel, I think chapter two is very similar to Elizabeth's song over John the Baptist when he was born. So there are some parallels there um, between um, the coming of Samuel, a prophet of God, a fervent prayer of a woman mistakenly being thought of as being drunk because she loves, she's just in the moment with the Lord and the people of Pentecost at the same time being in that moment, being filled with the Holy spirit with the Lord and people accusing them of being drunkards. So it's interesting. I think it was your video. I saw recently where it takes the tower of Babel and the moment of Pentecost and correlates the separation of tongues and the giving of tongues. Yep, that was my video. Yeah. Yep, sure was. A beautiful correlation between the two. Yep. Yeah, Holy yeah God confused. caused the same confusion, gave back the tongues yep. to share the gospel. United, He united his chosen people, the people that were trying to unite to go against God and proclaim themselves to mm. be better and above God. They were not his people. They wanted to be better than God, 
and he divided them and he dispersed them throughout all the world so that they could not, so that they would learn that lesson. And also so that we get like cool flood stories in Asia and we get cool flood stories in South America because those same people at the Tower of Babel would have been telling each other stories of the flood back then prior to being dispersed. Anyway, so then when the Lord, the day of the Lord at the day of Pentecost, when the people from all of those same regions that had been separated and spread apart by the same God were brought together and united in one moment and were given the gift of the Holy Spirit. They were filled with the Spirit. They were given new tongues and that the language was united so that every person heard the same message. And that message was that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday as he is today and that he will be forever and that he rose again from the dead and he forgives people of their sin. You've been a youth pastor for a good minute now, haven't you? Yeah, just like a month. <laughs> <laughs> um, dude, me and you got to take a trip down to Josh's church. Um, yeah, in Texas. Do some, yeah, do some guest preaching. Um, you want to turn it? So that's pretty much everything I got for, for this episode. Can't stop unless you want to show some. <laughs> Unless you want to show some videos and pictures again. Yeah, you guys want to see some pictures? If you guys want to see some pictures of uh, the Ark Encounter, my uh, vacation, I can kind of explain a little bit with some of these photos. Um, go over to the YouTube channel. If you're watching on TikTok right now, don't leave TikTok. Go don't to leave TikTok. Get but go, you out. have to, you, you've got to leave, but you have to stay. So figure that leave. out. Yeah. <laughs> get Closing your life together. time. You don't have to go home, but you also need to stay here. All right. Um, so this one here is, uh, this is at the entrance to, this was uh, pride day at the Ark exhibit. Uh, we were all, we all had to renounce our sexuality as we entered in through the rainbow. Um, that's awesome. So, uh, Classic. obviously that's me. That's my 16 year old son, Trey. That's my wife, Rachel. That's Nolan, and then that's my daughter, Lyndon, on the uh, screen there. Um, your family. Yeah, my oldest son obviously wasn't there, but he was back in Missouri with his wife. So um, here is the uh, – this is the entrance. So as soon as you walked in through that rainbow corridor there, there is the arc. You see they have zip lines because Noah used zip lines, obviously, to get things onto the arc, but they kept the zip lines there, you know. Uh, <laughs> and, um, actually my kids did. How doing big was it? Is it, too. is it massive? Dude, that thing is huge. Yeah. It's is 51 it? feet high. Okay. It's, it's crazy big, bro. Like uh, there's a picture and, and of, he us. believes it to be an accurate depiction of what this arc looks like. Yeah. That's me. You got it. Get, get <laughs> ready to good. punch Ken Ham. Here you go. So look, there's to scale. That is a real human being there at the bottom, uh, standing where the base of the the ark is, um, and that is. I mean, dude, that's it. It's tall. That was me taking the picture underneath it. That's how high up it is. That's a normal fence, a normal tree. <laughs> There's me again in front of the ark. There's us again as a family. I love it. 
All right. So then they have these. Um, I took some pictures after miraculously. So for people who are, I've got to explain it. So for people who are just listening only, uh, these are photos. You know, these are pictures of something that had once happened. It is not real life live right now. Um, there's this monument called the 12 Stones Monument. Uh, after miraculously enabling the Israelites to cross the Jordan River on dry ground, God told Joshua to have a representative from each of the 12 tribes take a stone from the river. The Lord instructed them to build a memorial with these 12 stones as a reminder to the coming generations of what God has done for them. And so they put up these yeah, 12 stones. Uh, I was going to say I'm reading through Joshua right now. So, No, nice. Just nice reminder. There's my daughter with the 12 stones. We actually have a church that has 12 stones outside of it. Oh, yeah? Huh. Yeah, just stacked up like that. So this is on the inside of the ark. These are some of the wood beams that are – this was in the first floor because we were making our way up. But uh, it's pretty cool. They actually have a sound simulator at the hull of the ship at the front of it that sounds like waves are crashing into the hull of the ship. It's pretty neat. Mm. Um, these are some of the, you see the water pots on the left or like maybe feeding pots. Um, and then these are all the cages where they would have, you know, as an example, would have housed some of the animals on the ark. Uh, this is from the, the center, the second deck of the ship, the center line looking down towards the end of the ship. And you can see like, just, I mean, it's, it's huge. Dude. It's so freaking. Did they, did they actually use this for the Noah movie? Um, I don't think so. Cause it looks like the, so. you've seen the Noah movie. Oh, there's Ken there. That there was a trick. Oh, there's a trick. So there's some animatronics. Uh, these are showing, they, they have a little plaque that says, you know, <clears throat> we probably, we, we've taken some liberties with the, with the decorations and some of the real, like based on the culture of the time, based on archaeology of the time, how people would have lived, what their homes would have looked like. They've built these rooms to kind of look like that. There's my kids in one of the cages. Here's a little video I did. I think we'll have enough time to do the petting zoo, at least. Cool. We might have enough time. Oh. All right. Uh, here it is from the outside, again to scale. This is the carousel. I have a little carousel for kiddos. They have pizza because Noah had pizza for sure. Yeah, for sure. He, he, now they wine. got a playground. Yeah, he knew how to make wine for sure. They had a, a playground for the kids. That's my son getting ready to do the uh, zip line. Zip line. Yeah, here let me let me back out of this real quick and see if. Yeah. And there's my wife and daughter sleeping in the car as we're driving. Oh. See, built it in. They were absolutely. We are always safe. Ah, uh, and I think that's it. All right, that is that'll do it. Do you want to address some questions and comments? Uh, Yeah, let's do that. There was was one that was interesting given by Flangyman. Flangman. Okay. How far Um, up? 
Yeah, that's pretty far up. Jesus is coming back soon. He's just taking one million year break, which is a mercy, right? The longer Christ takes to return is a mercy for your lineage and your um, your fu- the future of mankind, right? For the gospel to spread and reach as many yep. people as possible. Jesus will come back after he recovers from his injuries. Um, when God make uh, makes a mistake, he floods the earth. God created Jesus to fix his mistakes. So this clearly has no understanding of like the God of the Bible. No, he's just, has, he's just probably talking. hasn't even read it. Um, just listens to other people off of TikTok. Yeah, he is a troll. I agree. Uh, Paul North says, do you think social justice is a religion? Uh, I I think social justice is good. I think that I think that it has been uh, I think that man has destroyed. I think I think the idea of social justice is fine. Right. Like we should be we should be proclaiming the Lord's justice. um, But we should be advocates for people that are in need as Christians. We should be advocating for those that are. Uh, less fortunate that uh, that don't have a voice for themselves. We should advocate for um, for reform in in our government. We should advocate for uh, fair treatment of individuals. Um, we should be petitioning the government to do that, and we should we should speak we should speak on behalf of of the people that can't speak for themselves. So the, there's I don't see anything wrong with social justice, but what social justice has become is become a, a, a very self-man-centered counterfeit of what real social justice is. Yeah, so, so social justice has been hijacked by the left, right, by creating an enemy, uh, which is the, the male patriarchy or the white uh, supremacy of America, right, creating this uh, the, the white man as the enemy. You've now just kind of eliminated the whole concept of social justice, right? Like, um Yes, well, everything said, Drew is, is correct. We we need to do everything we can to help our fellow man um, and love everyone, and regardless of what they believe or why they believe it, uh, as long as it's not immoral, right? So I don't care if you have a different religion, but at least let's talk about it. Let's have a conversation. Um, the the way you see social justice portrayed on the news or in America today is not the same, and when. The progressive church tries to say that Jesus was a social justice advocate. It is a complete misrepresentation of his mission here on earth. When he was about his father's business, he was about his kingdom and his glory. Um, and obviously his death, burial and resurrection. Um, he was not here to, uh, when you say give to Caesar, what is Caesar's and give to God? What is God's? You're obviously saying, go ahead and follow the rules and guidelines that have been given to you submit to the authorities that be, um, but they kind of take that narrative and flip it in order to, um, it's called eisegeting scripture where you read your culture, your thoughts, your, your, uh, biases into scripture and make it say what you want it to say. Um, so, but I, I do think, um, there is a, the, the left has created a religious, uh, they've, obviously provided religious tendencies and created um, a religion around their, their worldview, right? They have, I think politics they have their is deacons, a- they have their, their scriptures, they have their literature that they read, they have their liturgies, their, their who's in, who's out. It's, it's probably beyond religion and a cult. 
It's an exclusive club, man. Yeah. Yeah, it's think this uh, way, do this thing, be this way, or you're not one of us. Well, it's an idol, man. I mean, politics, bureaucracy, it's a, it's an idol. It's uh, what's what people put their trust and their hope in. And so if they don't get their way, if it doesn't go the way that they think it should go, then uh, it affects them. It devastates them. And, uh, you know, that's what happens with idols. They let you down. And uh, they're not, uh, you know, they're not here to sustain. And so when you put your hope and your trust in, in a in a system or a program that is not in Jesus Christ Himself, uh, mm. you fall, you fall, uh, you can just fall into it. You know, you, you'll fall it's victim. Only, it. It's really the only absolute. Um, is how do we feel about annihilationism? Um, I'm, not, I'm actually I'm not a, doing. I'm I'm doing a deeper study into annihilationism. Um, I, I I take a firm stance currently uh, that God will punish the sinner for eternity. That His wrath will pour out um, because yeah. the severity of sin is a reflection of the holiness of God. Um, because if God wasn't holy, then sin wouldn't really be that severe. Um, so, because God is holy, there is an eternal punishment. Um, but do your own study, make up your own mind. Yeah. I, uh, I kind of, I was listening to a podcast by, uh, Michael Heiser and Justin Bass, uh, on our road trip. And it was, um, it was on e, uh, end times, the end days or no, it was, uh, afterlife. It was on the afterlife. And, um, I take the, uh, I take the same stance as they do. Like, I'm not opposed to annihilationism, uh, but I, ha- I haven't been convinced of it yet. Yeah, so, I, I mean, obviously our, our, our feelings get involved, right? We, we would like annihilationism to be true. Uh, so for anybody that doesn't know what that it's means, merciful. When, when you die, um, you are you're burned up. You're thrown into the pit. You, you, you cease to exist, right? You're annihilated. Um, and then there's universalism on the other end of that spectrum where everyone is just going to make it into heaven. Hitler, everybody eventually is right. seated at the, in the throne room of God somehow. Uh, yeah. I, so sin against an eternal God should have an eternal punishment. Otherwise, sin doesn't really matter. And that makes no sense to us, right, in our own minds because we're like, how does 80 years of sinning equal to an eternity of punishment of some kind um and the reality is is that's how little you think of god's holiness your one day of sinning is worth an eternity of punishment have you ever committed one day of sin (laughs) you've committed every day of sin (laughs) get out of here ray this isn't your podcast sorry sorry whole channel sorry sorry, gentlemen sorry (laughs) way of the master you haven't committed one sin have you ever lied have you ever told a lie? <laughs> you told all the lies by your own confession. Oh, I love by, it. Your, by your own confession, you are Genghis Khan. Um, yeah, I uh, honestly, I think annihilationism seems to make more sense in the reform view. Uh, if 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 there's more of a hard determination, if uh, or hard determine hard determinism makes more sense in an, uh, an annihilationism view. The, the two of them would go together. I, I would think that if you were a hard determinationist, 
you could be an annihilationist because it's like, well, what use does God have for people to suffer in eternity if he purposed them for wrath in the beginning? Right. So perhaps there. And I think one of the arguments that annihilationists sometimes will make is that the um, the eternality of their punishment begins at on Earth. Their punishment begins at their birth. The loneliness, the depravity, the isolation that they feel because of their sin is their punishment. And then they are annihilated because they no longer serve a purpose. And the purpose that they did serve was on Earth. So um, I don't know. Again, take it for what it's worth. But it's an interesting thing to think about. I guess I would say Romans 9, the whole vessels for destruction. Um, Do you believe in that? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him will have everlasting life or eternal life. Um, Annihilationists will say that on the flip side of that, um, what is the opposite of everlasting or eternal life? No life, no existence, annihilation. Um, I don't know, man. I'm I'm, I'm pretty, pretty convinced on the, the simple fact that and, and Andrew touches a little bit on it, on uh, divine simplicity, but God's just nature, certain aspects of his attributes will be glorified in eternity. Um, and we are all a, poor, a part or a portion of that glory um, occurring. Right? So those who are in heaven, the mercy, grace, and love will be reflected, uh, will glorify God's mercy, grace, and love. Those who are in hell will glorify his just and uh, righteous uh, um, nature. So, I don't. I don't see that happening with annihilation. I don't see his his justice being poured out, or his wrath, or his his righteousness being displayed for all eternity. Right? Mm-hmm. How he's how he's displaying his justice for eternity if we're annihilated in an instant. Um, yeah. It would actually that would display his mercy. Um, so it'd be the, it'd be the opposite. Um, I don't know. It's worth, uh, speculating about thinking through. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm not going to be mad (laughs) if God annihilates, I'm not going to be like, God, you promised you, you promised me that you would punish these guys forever. I was looking forward to an eternity of watching them suffer. See, that doesn't sound like the the right attitude either. Like maybe I should have a better heart about it. If God wants to annihilate people, then by all means, like if, if, if God says it be so, uh, I, I don't feel like I have the option to argue with him. I'll tell you what, I, I know. Why well, get bent uh, out of shape over a place where we're not going to? Amen, brother. That's, that's <laughs> I was about to say, if he does, like either way, I deserve to be there. And if I don't, then thank, thank you, Jesus, yeah. for what you've done. So, I mean, I absolutely deserve to be annihilated or spend, spend eternity being tormented by my own lack of repentance and sin. So yeah. what else do we got? Uh, we do need to ask your questions, guys, questions. It's question time. You can get Logan and I to weigh in on your uh, deepest, darkest, hardest questions that you've ever asked anybody on the internet ever. Is um, Ligonier a religion? <laughs> feels it like it sometimes. It can they be. sent me a pamphlet today. They're like, did did we tell you about the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? Like, we got a lot of books about it. I just standing All here. Of them. 
Don't uh, you know that R.C. Sproul is standing at your door knocking? And if you just open it up and let him in, he will come into your heart and abide in it you forever. You seek for me, you will find me when you search for me with your heart. Oh, man. Have you I ever knocked just... on the door of someone's heart? If you've knocked on the door of someone's heart once, I love you're it. guilty of knocking this, on the door of someone's heart all the time. Forever. We went from Ken Ham to Ray Comfort. Have Supreme you ever thought about Pontiff, dinosaurs? Supreme Pontiff Sproul and the to Steve Lawson. He did. <laughs> so Steve Lawson took... Uh, he did? Yeah. Well, he wasn't going to hand it to his son. His son's... A, well, we all know R.C.'s son has got some issues. Does he? I yeah, he's followed him. He's, uh, he's gotten into a lot of trouble with drinking, man. Really? I don't know if he's. I hope he's sober, but he yeah uh, he got into a lot of trouble with. Um, I think he had a couple DUIs. Isn't that what reformed people do? They drink a lot. Bro, I was I drank the most in my reformed church. That is, that led to severe alcoholism because I am uh I am uh what is it, subject to alcoholism, so being in a uh, the beer drinking church. Was uh, yeah, Andrew, was, Andrew said, Wouldn't y'all know you? He keeps saying, We're non reformed American dads. <laughs> I do be drinking sometimes. <laughs> I do be drinking. <laughs> I do be drinking. <laughs> but oh, it man. do. People don't think the drink would be like it is, but it do. <laughs> I hate our culture. I be so drinking much. and smoking cigars. I think I've decided that I'm not going to call myself a Calvinist anymore. I'm going to call myself a Spurgeonist. Huh. What do you think about that? I think you're going back to Augustine. Oh, nah. well, actually, it makes more. But you're a Reformed Baptist, right? So Spurgeon was well, a Reformed Baptist. I lean. I definitely lean more towards Reformed Baptist. But right now, I I really I don't know where I actually fit in. Have you ever done a study on his life? On Spurgeon? Yeah. Bits and pieces. YouTube documentary about it. Oh, he's, yeah? uh, he's called the Prince of Preachers for a reason. The man did a lot of good. Yeah. Did a lot of good. And I, I just want to measure up, the, like, not just to like toot my own horn, but I have a heart. Like the man started an orphanage that still exists today. Right. Like, Abby I, Van is a deconstructing Christian. I'm sorry, man. I'm just reading the comments. I would love mm -hmm. to hear. Uh, what Abby's uh, thoughts are and why she's deconstructing, if she would like to share. Abby, we are recording a podcast, episode 20 of the Doctrines of Rad podcast right now. We are live on, on YouTube and TikTok. Um, I want to answer Heidi Reynolds' question. Um, when we are being judged on Judgment Day, what will be judged on if God has forgiven our sins? That is a good question, Heidi. I think we should John Piper that. would say our works. Yeah, I would say that too. Our works, our deeds, and the words that we've spoken. Yeah, yeah. Because I don't, I don't take a, I don't take a stance that there's this like hierarchy in heaven that people are closer to the throne based on how they, they, they did. Like the simple fact that if I, I can do any, right? So I, this idea that I'm in gifts in heaven, I think we misread that. Yeah, I, right? I agree. Any crowns that I have, I am going to lay them at His feet and say. I, it's not because of me. It's because of you. I was only able to do this because you, you did it through me or for me. You gave me that ability. Yeah. Cause I was dead in my sin. 
Um, I look at it as a refining, a, a refining, a, a final uh, consummation of a refining fire that purifies us uh, from all of the, the rest of our fleshly stuff. All of the things we have to give an account for the words that we've spoken. Um, I think it will be for our actions, our deeds, our, you know, but it, it, it's in order to refine the process, like the sanctification on earth is a beginning of that process. And I think the final judgment is like they, they uh, the Bible uses the idea of gold being refined and it's heated up and melted down to the point where the impurities rise to the top and then are scooped yeah. away. I think, I think it's I, silver. Yeah. Silver. Thank you. So I think it's similar to that. It's a purifying fire that refines us uh, like gold or silver and they scoop away the impurities and then we are basically given incorruptible bodies and we, yeah. uh, you know, go from there. But think about that, right? So like if you're, if you're melting silver and you scrape away the impurities and you look over, you see a reflection, it's that clear, mm. right? We're being, we're being refined into the end of the sun. Right? We're being made to look like Jesus in every way. It's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. Yeah, no, I think uh, I think that's what the judgment will be. I think uh, we'll, we will definitely have to give an account for those things. Um, but the 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 capital S sin has been forgiven. The capital S sin has been uh, it was finished on the cross and the lowercase s sins uh, that uh, we commit knowing and unknowing sometimes as believers will we will be given account for those. But. We absolutely have to do a video and a talk on uh, purgatory. I, I gotta, I gotta do it. Um, because I, I have this belief that if you could remove purgatory from Catholicism, um, the entire indulgence system, treasury of merit, praying to the saints completely falls apart. Um, no offense, Angie. I just, I, is Angie a Catholic? I don't know who Angie is. Yeah, she is. Um, I one of my biggest conditions of why I'm not a Catholic because I I really would like all of it to be true, right? I, would I was like a to Catholic. Extend all the way back to the early church. I would like to have that history. I would like to practice church the way they did. That's what I'm searching for. In a way, I'm deconstructing my own epistemology so that I can figure out. What, what, what's the appropriate way to worship the God I love? My dad um, is a lectern in the Catholic Church still. I mean, he's active. He'll be here tomorrow, actually. Uh, he's coming to visit. But uh, I grew up Catholic. You, I went through all most of the steps. Can y'all dive deep in some purgatory? Well, so I because like I don't really... Uh, with my dad? Yeah, I, I don't... I Totally. Uh, here, I'll just tell you right up front. I don't think that my dad knows anything about what he believes. Oh. Uh, I think that my dad generally, as a, he is a practicing Catholic, he has been in the church for 60-something years, and he wouldn't be able to tell you much about why he believes in what he believes other than, you know, Father so-and-so told me this. He doesn't study his Bible. Uh, he doesn't, uh, he, he may be able to tell you some parables, um, but he wouldn't be able to tell you doctrine. He wouldn't be able to tell you, you know, this is the uh, the doctrine of grace or the doctrine of election or, or any of that. Um, so I, I'm not, you know, I think I think the Catholics understand purgatory. I think they just under they misunderstand what purgatory actually is. 
I don't think that purgatory is a refining is like a is a temporary holding place before the final resting place. I think that Catholics got their idea of purgatory from what is taught in the Old Testament about Sheol, about the waiting place uh, where people who went before Christ had come. And I think that they confuse that doctrine with a doctrine of purgatory, as in everybody goes to this Sheol place. I think once Jesus came, he did away with this temporary. It was called Abraham's bosom. It's been called Hades. It's been called Sheol. It's not called hell, though. That's the thing is hell doesn't come till later. No one is in hell right now. No demon is in hell. No person is in hell. There's there is a waiting pay, place. There will be a final judgment and then there will be an eternal hellfire. But um, and I mean, Angie, I would say really think about the 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 character of God. Right. Think in his justice. Because that's the, the response I get on purgatory is because God is just. We have to pay for all our sins that we commit after we're saved. And that goes with that whole in and out of grace thing, right? Um, but we have to think about what, how sufficient was the cross. All our past, present, future sins are all nailed to the cross. God's just nature, right? Isaiah 53 says that it pleased the Lord to crush him. All our sins were paid for in that moment. All of them. There isn't there and there can't be a place where I repay for my sins that my my Lord and Savior already paid for. Um Yeah, so what Priscilla is just think Priscilla just think destiny. That. That's kind of the line of thought that I'm thinking. She says purgatory was for Old Testament and it was emptied. Um, I don't know that it was completely empty. So, man, I've been really diving into this afterlife thing. Um, Good luck. I, I would tell you, let me let me recommend two podcast episodes, not our podcast, because we're not that smart. But um, ours as well. Ours is good. But ours is great. Okay, ours is fine. Um, but <laughs> there's one called the Naked Bible Podcast, and it's uh, about – Four or five weeks ago, Michael Heiser and um, Justin Bass on The Afterlife. Go listen to those two. He does two episodes. They're about 35 to 50, 50 minutes. I think one of them's 50. One of them's like 35 minutes. He breaks down the Hebrew and uh, and uh, a lot of the historical Hebrew context around the underworld, around, the, uh, around Hades, Sheol, Abraham's bosom. Uh, he talks about annihilationism. He talks about this waiting place, this eternal waiting place where Jesus went with the keys uh, and and uh, proclaimed uh, to the underworld that, you know, the gospel had been completed, the good news. Uh, so there, there's a very interesting like I'm definitely I'm not anti purgatory. I think purgatory in the Catholic sense is misunderstood. And I think the doctrine itself is built on a different doctrine that is not actually purgatory, that it does not apply to us today, that it was an old concept, that it was it was a place prior to Christ's coming, and that it was emptied, like what Priscilla says towards the end. Mm, and sorry, Abby, Abby I am seeing your comment, but I can't, uh, I think maybe one of them didn't go through. So it says, if two people can make a biblical case for or against homosexuality, 
is it she fair? Can, yeah, to, she'll get blocked if she says it the actual thing. Well, and also, like, I, I don't know Abby. I don't trust that I'm not going to, this, this live is going to get, because it, it's like the untouched, it's touchable, right? You can't talk about it. I'll just um, say it, dude. If we get banned, we get State banned. that one is absolutely wrong. I, your own opinion is right. No. Um, so there's some assumptions there, right? God has. So I, dude, my thing that I did this weekend, like I had a pastor, an old school, like a fundamental Baptist guy come up to me afterwards. Like, that's probably one of the best, like, uh, ceremonies I've ever, I've ever heard. Thank you. I was like, it's a lot coming from you, sir. Like real old, old school Baptist. Um, God is the author of marriage, right? Marriage is a depiction of the gospel in a lot of ways, right? Christ is the head of the church. Men are called to be the head of their households as Christ is the head of his, of his church. Um, and we are, we are called to love our wives as our own bodies, right? So God uses marriage, one, this, this union he used uh, to naturally reproduce mankind. So there's this nature, this natural uh, portion to it that we need to submit to because that is how um, reproduction occurs. Uh, there is no other worldview that is sustainable in the sense of uh, male, male, female, female, uh, non-binary, non-binary, and it, it, it just it all breaks down. Um, so as the author of marriage, it is a, there's a natural portion to it, and then there's uh, um, the, the meaning behind it all, right? So I, I see, think of a wedding ceremony. The father walks the bride down the aisle to the son, right? So that, there's this depiction there that God the Father is walking the church and creation in some ways, right? Because cre creation is redeemed as along with mankind at the end of the world. Um, so he walks the, the church down the aisle to the sun, and the sun, his redemptive act of love, sacrifice, redeems the church and hands it back to the Father. Um, and we don't tamper with that. Right? That is a, this is a sacrament in a sense that is a depiction of the gospel. We, we, the authors of marriage, therefore, there is an absolute opinion on this, and it's God's. So, Abby, I say that there, if you if you read the Bible cover to cover, if you look at the character of God, you look at what he has instilled, the purpose for mankind to go and multiply. There's only one way to then the, the, the gospel and how God uses to use marriage as the imagery for the gospel um, says that God high, thinks very highly of marriage thinks fairly highly of the union of one man and one woman. Um, so we don't tamper with that. We don't distort that. We don't try to take authority over it. And he has no tolerance for any distortion of it. How's that? Is that good? She's, I, I'm not, I wasn't able to keep up with comments. There's nothing redeeming out of homosexual love, period. There's Life is not created out of it. Uh, nope. That is the reason that man and, and woman were created was to uh to have children and there's nothing redeeming out of that you yes you can love another man yes you can love another woman as a woman there is that the bible actually calls us to do that you should control your own sexual urges and the bible does not call uh give permission to have sexual relations with anybody other than your spouse god created man and woman and uh I don't know why that's like, you don't, I mean, at the end of the day, you don't have to be a Christian. That's fine. You don't have to like the way that God has done things. That's fine. 
you can go do literally anything that you want to do. That's fine. You will be held accountable for it. That's the end of the story. The only, the only purpose for marriage is not procreation. I, I, I we, we agree that's not the only purpose. Uh, that wasn't his point. Without God, there would uh, be no such thing as marriage. No one would be giving in exactly. marriage. No Our point is that there is an absolute who designed and created marriage and we we have a natural order of things that shows maybe that's the correct way to do this and then secondly um if we tamper with it we're tampering with the gospel right because god chooses marriage as a way as the, the means of which he shows imagery of how uh the gospel is depicted with the church between christ and the church it's not uh, the God of the Bible. You can it can be a different God. Uh, there are other gods that you can choose. Thank from. you guys. I appreciate it. And you can you know you can go no, no. whatever. You want. And and there's some practical things there, right? Like as Christians, we don't go condemning people. Like, hey, you chose to live a lifestyle. That's fine. I'm not gonna um, I'm not gonna persecute you for it. I can still work. I can still hang out with you. So I prefer to spend time with you. you. <laughs> don't like like even when I, I when I was in the army I tell my soldiers like I don't care what you do just I, I just need you to shoot that direction and save the guy next to you and me because we're gonna be looking out to save you so like you do your job we're gonna do our job um, but I, I mean I prefer to hang out with people who have different worldviews um, I, I find it enjoyable um, I, I, I believe is not subjective who are, I mean that's the so here's the here's the problem. So you're you're treating belief like it's a choice. You're treating belief like Shut like up, you can turn on and off your belief in God. That somehow the, he didn't some he didn't in some way inspire your ability to see who he is. I mean the Bible is is so clear on so many levels that God reveals himself to his people. Yeah, he and reveals like, himself to his people. So if we take doctrine as observations, we take a, a systematic approach of how we evaluate things. We compare it with logic and reason. We don't we don't view it all in a vacuum, right? Um, so we take it the same way we would do science, or like so for gravity. Right? We if you stopped believing gravity didn't, or if you stopped believing gravity existed, right? That it didn't exist doesn't mean gravity's going to cease to exist. Maybe it's still there. Um, Observation is still not subjective. I'm sorry. There is absolute savvy. I'm sorry that you feel that way. Um, you couldn't your entire your entire worldview of subjectivism or relativism, if you continue to believe that way, will fall apart. And it's going to be a very painful one. Okay, it's, sorry it's, to say that. It, it's dumb to have to go to this level, but so this is a this is a tens unit. It looks like a phone. Let's pretend like it's a phone. Okay, if you were in the woods and you found this phone. You wouldn't just think that this phone over time constructed itself and evolved into a thing, right? So you see that there is a natural design to this phone. It must be created by something. That reflects the natural order of life. We look at life and the complexities of life and realize it must be created by something. So it, you can deny that. You can have a you can be like, no, I don't believe that or whatever. That's fine. I that's totally on you. But if when you look at it from an outer perspective and you're like, wow, this the order in this world, 
nature is beautiful. Human beings are beautiful. The body is perfectly put together. The, the stars, the sky, the level of oxygen on the earth, like everything is so perfectly in tune and unique. It points to a creator. Now you have to ask the question, which one? Which one? Because there's a lot that claim it. There's a lot that claim that they have the answers for everything, that their God created this, their God created that. So weigh them, look at them, decide for yourself which God makes the most sense. Look at it. Look, which one is claiming supremacy over all of the gods? Which one is offering a, a which one offers salvation? Which one just wants your servitude? Because there are gods out there that only want your servitude. So decide, decide for you to determine who it is that you believe created all this. And if you want the world to work for you, for the betterment of, of there's nothing in Christianity that benefits me from the outside. There's nothing me looking in being like, oh man, I really want to be, I really want to die to myself in a religion. I really want to sacrifice and give up all of the things that I would consider to be fun. I really want to do that. That is more appealing than living my life out there. No, it doesn't happen that way. God reveals himself to his people. His people honor and serve him. She says, I do agree that there's absolute truth, but I'm saying that all beliefs are not absolute. So, yeah, you're right. So we would agree with you there. We would say that, that we're right and everybody else is wrong. Um, but we're saying we're right because we appeal to an authority of Scripture. Right. So we, we hold to the idea that Scripture is um, the word of God. And that's where it all stands. And if you tamper with that, and this is to the believers here that are listening to me, please, please hear me when I say this. If you tamper with the inerrancy and infallibility of a scripture, tampering with Jesus himself, right? that's where we get the gospel from, right? We get it from scripture, his story, his life. It's all there. It's laid out. The eyewitness every, testimony that a man the named eye, the and died and made, and made claims that he and the father were on the same level. So we are, we are not dealing with just some ghost like figure that we want to be real. We are looking objectively at a person who existed about 2000 years ago that made claims that he was sent from the creator and was the creator himself and then offers salvation for sin, forgiveness for sin. That. We are looking at a real person that really existed. So if he really existed and he really said the words that he said, either like C.S. Lewis said, he's either a li liar, he's a lunatic, or he's the Lord. He's one of the three things. He can't be something. He can't. There's no other additional. He's either lying about everything and he died for a lie. And and what would have what would have should have faded away 2000 years ago still exists today. He was a lunatic who had absolutely no bearing on his emotional state or anything, had 12 followers, and then they all made up a story about him appearing to them, or he's the Lord. So seek for yourself. I hope you do enough research to, to come to determine which Well, she says she has, that she's a believer. She upholds a high view of Scripture and arrives at a completely di uh, different place than, uh, than we did. Here's the thing, and that means you're – more than you have an improper use of exegesis and hermeneutics, and you're exegeting scripture. 
Um, the yeah, simple fact that you came in here and asked about a about homosexuality specifically shows that there's an idol in your life, right? That you're not willing to give that up. As I told Brand, Reverend Brandon Roberts, like if you you keep tampering with Scripture the way you are, and you're going to eliminate Jesus altogether, and he eventually did. Man, he's he's got such a distorted view uh, of Jesus that it, it's unrecognizable. Uh, there is no absolute way to one is absolute until the end. So back to relativism. I'm, it's a, it's a non-starter for me. I don't even have conversations with people about relativism. It's just a waste of time. Because if you're, if you're making the claim there are no absolutes, right, and that's subjective. No basis in which to and, even have. A what, why, 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 why should I even consider subjective? Uh, I guess your subjective assertions about absolutes right so and just we have to start from a foundation of something um what else there was a good one uh do you believe in ghosts um so i have some stories in my childhood where i've seen some poltergeist like items or things that occurred um there is allusions to scripture where uh, the apostles thought that it was a ghost or a spirit walking on the water it was jesus um and that's why they were because they thought it was a spirit um, Hellenism actually really affected the Israelites during Christ's time um, and before that. So ever since Alexander the Great, Hellenism came through um, Jerusalem, Israel, um, and really kind of started to shift the culture. They began to think with a Hellenistic view on spirits. Uh, I don't think so. Uh, I, w I don't know what your views are, the intermediate place. Um, I take some weird stances on it. My sense, I like to spec and just kind of pretend because it's not in scripture but i believe when you when you die you either go to one of two places you're either uh, present with the lord um, as paul says or um, you go to a much different place until judgment um, now that's scripture um i do like to pretend that we are kind of we we appear at judgment day simultaneously because god is outside of time um that's not that's me speculating that's not scripture but i like to hold that view I think, uh, I mean, ghosts, I think th there's there's good reason to believe that they could be demonic or angels. Um, I think that they could easily be some sort of a spirit being. Um, do I think that they are the disembodied souls of people? No. But I do think that they, uh, you know, Saul, Saul used a, um, a divinator to... Um, to call Samuel back from the dead, right? And there are some interesting theories on what that was, but uh, I do think that uh, there, I mean, we see demons, we see Jesus have conversations with demons. We know that the apostles cast out demons. Uh, we, we see in scripture that God was not alone in heaven. He's created other beings. He has created spiritual beings that are not humans. Uh, they exist. We don't know how many those are. So what, how do we know what is what is around us on a on a day to day basis? Does that make sense? Have you ever have you ever like what? Are, I mean, what do you so, think about that when I say that? I saw I was reading Abby's comments. I sorry. It so really got derailed. I apologize. I I think that. There were, I think the Bible teaches that the, that there are beings that God has created that are not human beings. 
Uh, I think that a lot of the things, I think if we were to see some of God's angelic creations, we would probably be pretty terrified. But I also believe that there are principalities and there are spiritual uh, forces. There are, there are dark forces out there um, that can masquerade as angels of light or that they can be distracting and confusing. Um, and I, I really truly think that Christians do not consider the supernatural realm as much as they should. And, and really, I think that's the, one of the most unfortunate parts of the Reformation is that a lot of the supernatural stuff was uh, glossed over by a lot of the Reformed uh, church fathers. So I think that there's, uh, there's room to have that conversation about the supernatural uh, being a Christian. Zila said, apparently the angel of death is an angel of the Lord and is terrifying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if we if we drew what angels actually look, you're like, this not looks nothing like a little cherub. cherub. Uh, can angels appear as humans? You know, we see lo- so many different um, depictions yes. of angels of the Lord or, you know, a man of God or a son of God showing up to... Um, to the doorstep of one of the one of the uh, names of the Bible in the Old Testament, specifically in the Old Testament. So yeah, I think oh, we, see, uh, we see Sodom and Gomorrah. The angels, yeah, that destroyed it. Right, so we see that they tried to sodomize them. So they obviously took human form if they were um, even had an ability to even think that they could sodomize these Israel. angelic beings. Um, can't remember where it's at, but it basically says that we are entertaining. Um, Angels. Some entertain right. angels Bruce. unaware. Yeah. yeah. I, is that in Hebrews? Right. I think Slate. it's in Hebrews. But yeah, you're right, man. Um, I think we, a blank. I think we really truly don't consider the supernatural as much as we should. And that's that's been the journey that I've been on the last couple months is hmm. uh, diving into the supernatural aspect of the Bible. And uh, it's been very edifying. I mean, God has, has been magnified for me seeing uh seeing his plan played out when considering god's creation you know um we don't really give very much thought to angels and demons not as much as i think we should uh and i think that they're out there yeah so abby abby said something earlier that was uh, What's up, Davey? uh th- What's up, that our that our speech can be harmful and we really think about how it impacts others how do you feel about that i don't really care Abby, why don't we have? Why don't we here? Listen, uh, for for now, now we are always looking to have people onto this podcast. I'm going to give you a follow. Uh, I'm going to send. It's a private account, so I sent you a request. Um, I also did earlier. We can dialogue on it and see if maybe you'd like to come on and talk about on the podcast. Yeah, and and so one thing we don't do on this podcast, and I explained this to Shayla because she'll be coming on uh, soon. Um, is that we don't debate here, right? It's present your idea. We'll present another, another. Oh, Shayla's another. the one that you were going to invite on. Did yeah, I know Shayla? Yeah. Oh, yeah, you did, did you ever tell me that? I this whole time I've been like picturing this other person. Yeah, go like, go follow Shayla, guys. She uh, she's Shayla's always she's doing. Cool. She's always out there doing ministry, man. She's she's up there answering questions and talking to people yeah. about Jesus. And Shayla's the New Zealand. So if y'all follow Zilla, go ahead and yeah. unfollow her. <laughs> yeah. You got to just let Zilla go, man. <laughs> I hate to say um, it. 
Um, but yeah, so I, I don't, well, is that heartless of me? I really don't care to, to worry about people's feelings. Um, like I'm, I'm cautious with my talk to people. Um, but when it's, when it's a discussion, I'm trying to help reason with somebody. I, your feelings are no longer my prerogative, right? I'm trying to, okay, look here, here, here's what I need you to see. And please explain to me why you don't agree with this whatever the topic may be. Um, at that point, I don't really care how it impacts you, right? Because truth, truth. Um, and if I'm, if I'm even a lie, I would, I would pray that you did not care about my feelings and you presented me with truth versus worried about my feelings. Um, that, that's important, right? And you, and you should be willing to be offended in order to have a conversation in the first place. That's how we communicate. If you're worried about offending someone, you can't actually – like get to know somebody. I've said some stuff in this uh, this podcast alone about through like just asking questions, like prying into his life, and that potentially could be offensive um, in some some way or another. But I mean, that's how you learn and understand someone. So you have to take risk of being offensive in order to even communicate. Um, yeah, I don't know. Is that heartless to not really like if I'm trying to get a point across? I don't care how how it's going to impact you. Well, yeah, at gonna, the end of the day, man, it's like if you didn't believe it, then you wouldn't say it, right? Like, I mean, yeah. if your if your concern was more in sparing someone else's feelings, then yes, you would focus on that versus the fact the reason that we say what we say, the reason that we are risk it being offensive to someone else is because we believe it to be true. And that doesn't mean that we like, we just, we came to like today, we believe it to be true that tomorrow we're not like, no, we live, we live it out. Like, um, that's why we, well, I don't know. I don't, I'm not going to go into the whole being above reproach thing, but we, we are willing to die for the truth of these things. We are willing to say, I will die on this hill i will stand and proclaim this to be the truth because i know it to be true no matter who is bothered by it and and because we like like we legit legit believe it's true so why wouldn't we tell it's like i know people use really cheesy examples for this all the time but it's like if you had the ability to uh pay someone's bills uh just by uh you know, granting the wish for it to be so you would, if you loved the people, the people that you loved, you would go to and be like, look, I can get your bills paid. I'm just going to do it. You know, I'm just going to pay your bills. Right. And if you didn't love them, you wouldn't like, it would be an act of unkindness to not pay their bills when you have this ability to freely do it. And so the idea is we believe this to be so true so pertinent and so important that, and we know that the Bible says that the gospel of Jesus Christ is a stumbling block to those who are perishing and that it is also the power of God unto salvation. Then we know that the priority is not in the feelings of the person hearing the message. It is in the urgency of the message itself being proclaimed. Yeah. Absolutely. And so she says, I think you can still share the truth while having a posture of grace and humility. That's not, so that's misreading what I mean by, I don't care how it impacts, right? 
I'm still going to be show grace and be humble in my approach. I'm just not going to shy away from saying what I need to say based on how it impacts you. Right. So there's always a posture of grace and humility when I'm talking to, to anybody about, about Jesus, actually anybody in general. I, I normally am. I take a very passive role in conversations. I would recommend uh, anybody that's struggling with the the homosexuality question. There is a there is a preacher, an evangelist that does a very good job. He's very graceful. He's very Sean compassionate. McDowell. His name is Preston Sprinkle. Sean McDowell's, I'm sure, is great too. I haven't heard his his position on this, but Preston Sprinkle wrote a book called People to Be Loved. And he dives into with great detail and great concern and care to all of the objections and all of the arguments in defense of homosexuality. And even as much as he wanted to find the, the better, easier answer that would be more culturally acceptable, he still had to stand on the truth of scripture and say, the Bible does not teach in any way, shape or form that homosexuality is uh, approved by God. There is not an instance in scripture that God allows it or says that that's okay. I highly encourage all of you to stay away from Matthew Vines. Matthew Vines is an absolute, absolute evil, demonic heretic. Well, absolute. Nope. He definitely eisegetes. So he clearly eisegetes scripture and his agenda into it. And he does poorly. And then he explains exegesis in in a horrible way. Um, I, I encourage you. So do I, I cross his, uh, his book and multiple videos by him. And Sean McDowell, I get comments on TikTok all the time about how I'm humble and kind and just the way I respond to people. It's because I got that from Sean McDowell and how he talked to Matthew Vines. And in that interview, so Sean McDowell basically calls him over to his church. He presents his arguments from his book. And Sean McDowell basically shows him how your exegesis of scripture, you're taking one thing, it's called proof texting, where you jump one text to another to make your point. These two things have nothing to do with each other. And the way and the grace which he presented that in front of his own congregation, where Matthew Vines was kind of the outlier in the room, and they just loved on him in that interview and or, or debate. It was it was more of a debate than an interview than anything. Um, but that's where I got that from. I was like, this man truly is changing the hearts of people. He truly cares. He truly looks into like the just the. The humble nature of having a conversation. At no point did he get aggressive. At one point, he's like, Matthew, I need you to listen to me. Look at what you just did. And it just was like just over his head, man. As soon as he presented it to him, everyone in the audience can see it. You're just like, are you missing this? He went back roof texting. And it was just kind of like a lost cause. So Bodie Bauckham also does the same thing. He takes Matthew Vine's arguments and explains um, – how how his entire book falls apart um it's, it's a good read i guess uh, if you want to there are, there are uh, some uh, great objective works objectionable works towards the uh matthew vines book and uh anybody that is anybody should at least hear the other side of it and that's what preston sprinkle's book does too is right. he actually talks preston about sprinkle matthew is he he's same sex attracted a side right is he? I don't think so. I no. I don't believe I gotta, so. I gotta, maybe maybe not. Okay, maybe you're wrong. Maybe I'm thinking of somebody else. I mean, he looks kind of gay. 
mean, he's got like frosted yeah. chips and stuff, but you know, I don't think he's. Uh, this might be the same guy. Yeah, is he kind of chunkier, heavy, like not really heavy set, but kind of midway. Like he's not skinny, but he's not fat. The frosted uh, tips. No, I feel like he's pretty thin, dude. I think I'm keep thinking. Yeah, I think he's now I'm thinking of Guy Fieri. Yeah, so I think he's well. So there is a so um, Reverend Brandon Roberts and uh, uh, who I'm thinking this you're I'm thinking you're uh, the author uh, being uh, go on unbelievable and have a dialogue um, concerning A side and B side homosexuality. So A side being uh, those who um, have same sex attraction but they denounce it for Jesus, which is a beautiful thing to say that my Jesus is more than my attraction. And then uh, yeah. uh, Brandon Roberts takes the B side where he says it's uh, more like Matthew Vines, where hey, you can have uh, same sex attraction, it's not a problem, God honors it, uh, even though it completely distorts the, uh, the, the natural order of of reproduction and the concept of marriage and its role in uh, the gospel. So, yeah. Uh, what other questions we got, man? Picture of Preston Sprinkle, but I can't. Uh, my computer's being super weird. Would you say that you can deny someone's experience? No, they actually experienced it. Now, I think they could be distorted. Like I saw a ghost; it was real. You have to believe me, right? I spoke to God. I went up to heaven, and or I went to hell for twenty-three days. Yeah, I'm denying that experience all day. No, you didn't. You didn't go to hell. No, you didn't go up to heaven. No, I don't have a new word from God. The canon is closed. It's done. I'm sorry. Zila, I know we disagree on a lot of this. I apologize if I take such a uh, an aggressive cancel an aggressive stance in you. But no, I, I, I stand firm. Here, I'm gonna show you a picture closed. of Preston Sprinkle. You're not going up to heaven. You're not gonna Is this the guy? No. Completely yeah, different. Preston. Although there's Reverend Brandon Roberts right next to him. So. Where? Uh, oh yeah, over there on the right. Yeah. So, uh, oh, there's Sean McDonald right there. Yeah, I. Uh, I love Sean McDonald, man. That little faux hawk. Well, all right, dude. I think we're gonna. It's two hours. I would love, Abby. I would love to have a conversation. I would, yeah. I would love to show you humility and impact, and not caring what impact. Logan is like. arrogant. He's not going to show you humility. <laughs> he is cocky and prideful and arrogant. I really am. He really is. So am I. So am I. I can't promise you anything. I uh, I will um, try to be truthful and loving in every conversation that I have, but sometimes I have no tolerance for bad ideas. And uh, there's a lot of bad ideas on the Internet. So I've kind of lost. That's why you guys haven't seen me on TikTok very much. Like, I know I made a, a bunch of videos uh, today in response to stuff, but it had been like two weeks that I had uh, – Oh, I'm sorry, Erica Jane. Well, you need to um, you need to uh, go watch our uh, our podcast here. It's going to be on YouTube uh, right after this is done. It'll be available, and it's going to be on Spotify audio only. But uh, you'll be able to hear the whole co- conversation about it. But I think we need to go, dude. It's late, and um, I think I got a kiddo that needs to go to bed. You mind sharing the gospel? They're saying my mic is uh, okay, metallic. Yeah. Is what D May said. Oh, all right, yeah. Let's uh, let's do this. Uh, so, as I said earlier, um, you know, you wouldn't when you you wouldn't walk into the woods and find, let's say, this is a cell phone, and you wouldn't you wouldn't consider that 
this cell phone made itself over time and uh, all of the circuitry and wires over time created itself and then it became a cell phone and ended up just in the woods. No, you would walk in and you would be like, oh, someone made this cell phone and left it here in the woods. Well, that's the way that God has created our creation. When you look at it and you really truly step outside of everything else, step outside of yourself and look and see that the world is so intricately and so purposefully made that it all points to an intelligent designer. And that intelligent intelligent designer intelligently designed you and me and all of the people around us to be bearers of his image. He is the creator God. And as the creator God, he has, he has crafted the world's greatest plan for redemption because we could not Amen. meet up to the standards. God gave us a law to show us how sinful we were. He gave us the commandments to show us where we fall short. And we ask the question naturally, well, how can I ever please this God? And the answer is you can't. How can I ever enter heaven? And the answer is you have to be perfect and you can't be perfect. But God knew this as part of his plan all along from the beginning in the garden. He planned to send a redemptive savior into the world in order to crush the head of the evil serpent and bring about salvation, which will lead to us having a relationship with our creator, knowing our God intimately and purposefully because he has designed you to be beautiful and to serve a wonderful purpose in his creation. So those that believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for their sins shall be saved. The Bible tells that it tells us that if you believe in your heart that God raised Christ Jesus from the, the dead and confess with your mouth, you shall be saved. Jesus Christ is the only solution to any of your problems. Now, that doesn't mean he's going to solve all of your problems right away. But the problem that you have is that you have been disconnected from your creator because of your sinful nature. Jesus forgives that sin and allows you the opportunity, grants you the opportunity to change your mind and to trust in him. And that is what I ask. And in fact, I beg you to do is to trust in Jesus. He is the creator God sent from heaven in order to be our payment on the cross to die for our sin. With that being said, guys, uh, we're going to end episode 20. God bless you. Love you. We'll see you next week, hopefully, God willing, on episode yeah. 21. Ending the broadcast now.